Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to the last Frankie Sense and More of 2022. Brent and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas holiday, and we especially want to wish you a very happy coming New Year and 2023. Uh, you'll see maybe a little difference. We don't know. But people are still going to the movies. They still enjoy them. And we're here today to review a few more for you. Over to you, yeah, We've got some great ones today. This has been a, a pretty strong finish uh, to the year with the movies that have come out. And uh, one of the good things is about a lot of them is that you can see them either in theaters or streaming in many cases now. So, you know, take your pick as far as where you feel most comfortable. I know a lot of people still don't feel comfortable going to theaters, but now you got your choice in a lot of cases. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to start with today is The Fablemans, which is Steven Spielberg's autobiographical coming of age story about his upbringing, uh, how he grew into becoming a filmmaker and the individual that he is. This is an absolutely delightful film. Uh, it's it's in many ways almost like a, a Frank Capra movie uh, showing how this youngster becomes the artist that he is and learns how to become the individual that he is. It follows uh, uh, the youngster's uh, upbringing from the time when he's about seven until he's in like his late teens, early 20s, and shows how all the various influences that it came across his life, family, uh, culture, a love of filmmaking, how they all shaped who he was as an individual and then as an artist as well. And it feels uh, features a tremendous ensemble cast. Yeah. Uh, the uh, role of um, Sammy Fableman, who is Spielberg's alter ego in the film, uh, played by uh, Gabriel LaBelle. He's, he's terrific, as are the uh, people who play his parents. Michelle Williams is his mother. She's, she's outstanding. And Paul Dano is his mother, as his father. Uh, and uh, sort of a, unfortunately, a little too bit of a short appearance by Judd Hirsch as his eccentric uncle. Um, they, they all combine to really make for a great ensemble cast, and they tell a tremendously uplifting and emotional, heartfelt story. Uh, this is, uh, right now, I would say probably the leading candidate to win the award for Best Picture. Wow. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's picked, up, it's picked up a lot of the early award season nominations. Uh, at the Toronto Film Festival, it was named the Audience Choice for Best Picture, which is often a very good indicator of what wins the Oscar. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it, you know, walk away with that, pri with that prize. Um, this is the film that a lot of people have been saying that they've been waiting for Spielberg to make for a long time. It's hard to do um, your own story. Hard yes. to do your own story. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you know, when it comes to a writer, they always say, write what you know best, which is usually writing about yourself. Yeah, you but know. it's hard to say good things about yourself or bad things about yourself. Like you don't want everybody to know all your secrets. And it's a little difficult to bury your soul. But you know what? I haven't, I, 
I can't even think of a really bad Spielberg movie. And, no. and to think, you know, that this is a great Spielberg movie. And it's always interesting for me to see, you know, where children, they've always had it. It's always there in your, in your childhood. It, you know, whatever you end up doing that's really special, it's always been back there. Well, one of the things that's interesting, too, is it, and it shows this very early on in the movie, um, he was a little bit scared of the movies. Uh, he went to see a movie with his parents, and there was a scene of a uh, train crash that kind of freaked him out. And, you know, I think the parents were concerned, did we make a mistake here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they got home and they found him taking his toy, his toy train set and recreating <laughs> it and filming it, they thought, well, maybe, maybe not, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you probably was like, wow, how'd they do that? And, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, and we have to think, too, back then, you know, it, it's still kind of new. Yes. And, and for someone so young to be able to recreate something like that with the level of sophistication that he showed for somebody who really was brand new to working mm-hmm. with a camera, uh, it just showed, you know, the natural talent was already in place. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'd, I'd recommend also with this film is if viewers get a chance to see it, uh, there was an HBO documentary that was made several years ago, simply titled Spielberg. And if you have the opportunity to watch these two movies in conjunction with one another, I'd strongly recommend it because they really dovetail each other nicely. They provide additional insight into his personal life uh, and into his artistic life. And it's interesting also to see how certain um, scenes from the, his upbringing through family home movies that are depicted in the documentary actually get recreated in the film, uh, you know, in as, as dramatic uh, material. Wow. And yeah, I mean, and the two of them really just, they go together so well. So uh, if, if you have a chance to see the two of them together or within relatively short time of one another, I strongly recommend it. I think it will really enrich the experience of watching this film and also um, in turn, to, you know, enriching the experience of watching the documentary. Right. So. Uh, yeah. I recommend them highly. You get the insider um, view. If I had any criticism of this film, is that is that like a number of Spielberg's later films, uh, it does tend to go on a little bit long in spots. Uh, as he's gotten older, Spielberg has kind of had a little more trouble censoring himself, I guess you would say, in terms of the amount of material he includes. Um but I mean, that's a pretty small, you know, item in the greater scheme of things where this movie is concerned. So uh, I would say if you want to, you know, a good time at the movies or a good time at now at home streaming as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I recommend this one highly and I would give it four out of five stars. Wow. OK. Four out of five. And, four a, out of five. and, a, and, a, and a contender for the Oscars. Yes. OK, let's move on. So moving next. on. Uh, our next film is The Whale, which is an absolutely uh, outstanding moving picture about a reclusive 600-pound gay man who is, uh, whose health is failing and who is looking to reconcile a number of issues in his life about himself, uh, his relationship with his family, uh, his grief over the loss of a partner, uh, and also just a general outlook in terms of how he sees himself and how he sees other people. 
it's a very insightful, very thoughtful film. Uh, it's a, a difficult watch at times because the uh, the level of emotion in this is just so intense. But it's both uh, heartbreaking and heartfelt at the time. At the same time, uh, it makes for a really powerful film. Yeah. I just absolutely can't. It's not out yet, here, But I I saw the interview with Brendan um, and his co-star, and you know to be able to do a, a movie in one room and be as large as he is in this film and and put the emotion into it that he put. I mean, you is incredible. Like really just absolutely yeah. outstanding. Like I think this one might win, win an Oscar too. Well, yeah. right now, um, Brendan Fraser is considered the front runner to win yeah. the Oscar for best actor. And he's very deserving of it. I mean, I always thought of him as something of a lightweight. I never, really, <laughs> I never really knew he had these kinds of acting abilities, yeah. you know, hiding within him. Uh, his performance is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, and he's he's also surrounded by a terrific ensemble. I mean, this has probably got one of the best acting ensembles of any movie I've seen this year with Sadie Sink as his young daughter uh, uh, Samantha Morton as his ex-wife and uh, uh, Hong Chao as his caretaker. I mean, it's just a great, great film. Now, one of the things that I'm a little bit upset about is in reading some of the reviews by both users and critics, they've been fairly unkind and unfair to this film, which I really have a hard time understanding. And when I read some of the specific comments I was really shocked where I couldn't believe how cold and insensitive people could truly be, especially in, in print or you know on the internet. Uh, some of the things that they were saying were just, to me, absolutely shocking. Uh, I obviously was disappointed that they didn't get from the movie what they were supposed to get from it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, to me, that's just really unfortunate. Uh, I think that this is a, a movie that a lot of us can learn a lot from. So uh, what do they say? Like just about his weight or? Uh, saying things like, oh yeah, it's about a gay fat guy who didn't learn his lesson and ends up dying. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. first of all, how oversimplified, how, oversimplified, <laughs> how oversimplified can you possibly get? Yeah. For one thing. Yeah. But then to be that bald-faced, cruel and in callous, the way they just say callous. it, yeah, just absolutely stuns me. And you know, it, it's one thing I suppose expecting it from, you know, users who maybe don't use some discretion when they post their reviews. But comments not unlike that coming from critics, uh, I just found disturbing. Yeah. So I think what happens is that people some people are emotionally stunted and other people are embarrassed or they're, it hit something in them that they felt they had to lash out, I think, yeah. you know, which I don't understand, but, but I understand that amount, that amount of humanity that that's what we do. Well, and, and in some ways, I guess you could almost say that his, that Fraser's character is, he's got quote unquote, two strikes against him going in, first of all, being fat and second of all, being gay. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people look at that and say, well, doesn't the man have any self-control? It's like, well, 
sometimes we don't know why we have the experiences that we do. Exactly. I mean, there are life lessons to be had from all kinds of different directions. And this is something, obviously, that his spirit, for whatever reason, needed to go through. And he lost his partner. And he was, you eat when you're emotionally sad. People know that. Yes. And, you know, like, you just can't recover. Sometimes you just can't. And it's, you know, and and people know, I mean, they should know anyway, that being, you know, being large is not always correlated to eating. There's exactly. other, other factors. So exactly. It could be on medication, depression medication, or, you know, whatever. Can, and, can, can you know, it's cool. also a case of, you know, if you've never walked a mile in that person's shoes, um, really, who are you to criticize? Exactly. And, and that's an important takeaway from this film that I think really, unfortunately, is not always getting through to the people who probably need to hear that message the most. Yeah, yeah. It's but unfortunate this is, this is a, a very worthwhile film. Uh, I give it four out of five. Awesome. Here's another great one. Yeah, and uh, the next one, we have uh, a film also featuring a gay character, which is The Inspection, which is an autobiographical film um, based on the life of director Elegance Breton, uh, who was a street kid. He got kicked out from uh, his family by his intolerant mother uh, because he was gay. She named him Elegance? Oh, yes. Well, I, well, <laughs> or did he well, no, take that name? <laughs> no, the character's not. The character's the character's name in the film is is uh, is is not Elegance. Yeah, um, that's the director's name. I'm not even sure if that's his real name either. But it was an autobiography, uh, though, kind of. But but in any case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in any case, he was he was put out on the streets when he was 16, and then had to figure out a way to survive himself. And he bounced around for a while. And finally, when he decided he wanted to get his act together, he did so by joining the Marines, which mm -hmm. seems the least likely place that a gay man would want to go. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, it made him um, it made him a man. And I don't mean in the uber macho sense. It made him become the person that he was destined to be as an individual. Right. And the other thing that was interesting was after having had the upbringing he had with, um, you know, the rough family life and the intolerant mother, he ends up, ironically, finding his family of choice through this experience, which, you know, again, you wouldn't figure that a gay black man would find that yeah. by joining the military. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's a brotherhood regardless of one's orientation where everybody has each other's back and he discovers that for himself. And, you know, it just helps him to become the individual that he really was destined to be. Uh, of course, he still has to deal with his mother afterward, but you know, you can't have everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this wow. is a, a powerful film also in terms of uh, ideas of acceptance and uh learning how to be one's true self mm -hmm. and features positively, again, positively phenomenal performances by Jeremy Pope in the lead role, uh, who's been nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Drama. 
and by uh, Gabriel Union, who plays his mother, who's been nominated for uh, an Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Performer. Uh, they do a great job in terms of addressing issues that you wouldn't expect. And the, one of the other things I liked about this film is that in many ways, it seems to kind of pick up on some of the themes that were first raised in the uh, Oscar-winning film Moonlight that came mm -hmm. out in 2016. Uh, it's been particularly eye-opening for uh, a number of more conservative segments of the African-American community because uh, from my own personal experience, from having a, an African-American partner and having seen other African-American men throughout my life, one thing they've almost all told me universally is in the families and the communities that they come from, there's a widely held belief in them, in them that says there's no such thing as a gay black man. Well, <laughs> I hate they to, beg to differ. <laughs> I beg to differ. And <laughs> Uh, Moonlight really opened the door for that, but this film kind of takes that and extends upon and it. And the Green well. Book. And I mean, yeah. so many. So this is um this is a, a terrific film. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Uh it's become uh something of a, a sleeper among awards circles so far. I think you're gonna see it pick up more nominations as award season plays out. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna win anything, but it's certainly nice to see it get recognized for the accomplishment. I like Gabrielle Union too. She's, I've always really liked her. Yeah, she's really good in this. I mean, this is one of the strongest performances I've seen her give. And Jeremy Pope is a relative newcomer. He's just outstanding here. Um, so uh, I recommend this one again very highly. And it's another one that I give four out of five. Awesome. Wow. Being we're today, we're being so. generous today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. So um, next up, we have the movie She Said, which really um, I have kind of a soft spot for this movie because it's been uh, kind of a, a a box office bomb, unfortunately, which I'm really very surprised about. I'm not. They put it at a terrible time. They 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 did it on purpose. I think they really did. Well, but yeah. I mean, there is a group of like internet trolls out there that are purposely, you know, torpedoing movies that have strong female lead characters. But I've also seen it among um, a lot of mainstream critics, too, who've been very hard on it, saying that um, they didn't feel it measured up to the standards of other films that it was being compared against. The film tells the story of the two New York Times reporters who exposed the, um, the sexual abuse uh, crimes that were uh, uh, committed by movie producer Harvey uh, Weinstein. As in the casting couch. Yes. And... Uh, <laughs> The film follows their investigation into being able to gather the evidence to be able to write the story and bring it to the surface, and which in turn helped to give a great boost to the growth of the Me Too movement. Um, this movie has been compared in many ways to other journalism movies like All the President's Men and Spotlight. But a lot of critics have been hard on it saying that, uh, well, it just doesn't quite measure up to those those movies. And I frankly don't understand that. Uh, to me, it's very much in the same league as those pictures. Um, one of the things that I liked about the film is that for most, you know, a, a good journalism movie uh, sticks to just the facts. And that's what this movie does. It doesn't get into a lot of uh, unrelated issues. It doesn't get into trying to experiment in terms of its storytelling approach. 
it plays it straight and it does it very, very well. Um, and that's not to say that the movie doesn't have its moments of emotional impact. When you hear the testimony of mm -hmm. some of the women who were affected, uh, particularly the roles played by uh, Samantha Morton and Jennifer Ailey, I mean, they can't, you can't help but really feel, you know, what they went through. Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was really courageous for Ashley Judd, who was one of Weinstein's victims, Herself. who makes an appearance in the film as herself yeah, and tells a story about how she was willing to go on the record despite having signed a non-disclosure agreement, putting her career, you know, in serious jeopardy for doing so. Um, I recommend this one very highly and I would really strongly recommend that people not pay attention to what a lot of the naysayers are saying about it because to me, that's just not true. Um, this is a, a very solidly made film that very much belongs in the same category as these other great journalism films that, like I say, is All the President's Men and, and Spotlight. It's really that very well done. Um, and it features, again, a terrific ensemble cast. I was very impressed with Carrie Mulligan. Oh, she's awesome. Uh, I mean, just this is this is a role that hasn't received a lot of fanfare for her but I think it's some of the best work that she's ever done. Um, I'm also very impressed with the supporting performances by Jennifer Ailey and Samantha Morton. I mean, they, again, they bring a lot of stuff to the table. Um, this is a, this is a good film. I really recommend seeing it because I think it's going to be um, very enlightening in terms of what the journalists had to do to be able to bring the story to light and then to tell the story of what uh, the victims experienced. Uh, I recommend it with, uh, I, I give it, you know, well, let's be consistent. I'll give it a four out of five stars also. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, so our next film is a, a picture that's, um, it's an Amazon original that's been kind of flying beneath the radar. Uh, I hadn't even heard of it until I kind of stumbled upon it. That's Argentina 1985 which uh, tells the story of the prosecutors in Argentina who ended up taking on the, the war criminals who led Argentina's so-called dirty war from 1976 to the early 80s. And uh, this was a case where they, uh, the government had trouble finding anybody who even wanted to take the case on yeah. because they were so concerned and worried about the retribution that they were going to face. Yeah, uh, lots people were of people disappearing. Were, yeah, a lot of people who were approached just flat out said, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I value my life too much. I'm not going to do it. Uh, so they finally ended up finding people who would be willing to, to take it on. And they had to face a number of personal challenges in terms of uh, criticism from both sides in this story. And also in terms of... Um, being able to figure out a way to get people to go on the record to testify. Mm -hmm. uh, they were concerned and afraid that a lot of people wouldn't talk, but the prosecutors managed to find some inventive ways to get them to, to talk and to go on the record and to go on record in very explicit detail, saying what they experienced at the hands of the military junta that was in, in control of the country for almost a decade. Uh, and interestingly enough, it does that to a great degree without having to depict uh, visually 
what these people went through. It's, it's done strictly by virtue of the chilling testimony that they deliver. And it really is shocking when you hear what went down. I mean, this is, we're, we're talking atrocities here to rival almost anything that Nazi Germany did. Just really astounding in terms of what these people went through. Uh, and it really turned a corner for the country in terms of getting over its past, um, not completely, but in, in a big, yeah. strong way. Because uh, actually, I mean, there are still efforts being made to locate the quote-unquote disappeared yeah. who were taken by the military authorities in those years and were just, you know, summarily done away with. Um, this is, um, <clears throat> this is a, 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 another powerful watch. And the thing I like about it is that it's getting, it's finally getting the recognition it deserves because, again, it's it's been um, really pretty much under wraps. And it's on um, Amazon? It's on Amazon. In English uh, or Spanish? It's in Spanish. Okay. Um, but the, uh, the one thing I like about it is in terms of the awards recognition, it's starting to gather. Uh, it's picked up a Golden Globe nomination for Best Foreign Film. It's picked up a Critics' Choice Award for Best Foreign wow. Film. Uh, the National Board of Review named it one of their top five uh, foreign films of the year. And it also received um, the National Board of Review's Freedom of Expression Award, which is a pretty, that's a pretty big deal right there. Uh, I'm glad to see that it received it. And I just recently heard where it's been shortlisted for the Oscars for Best Foreign Film as well. Wow. Excellent. So uh, this is, there's, there's no joking when it comes to, you know, the quality of the work that goes on here. Uh, I think uh, people will, re will really be mesmerized by watching this story as it plays out. It's really uh, very captivating and um, a, a good job. Really, I'm glad to see this one is finally uh, getting the, the just due that it deserves. And I would give this one, well, let's go four to go. I'm going to give this one four out of five stars as well. Oh, <laughs> got some heavy duty watching to yeah. do. <laughs> this one's but on the lighter side, um, we have a, a funny film from the Philippines called Leonor Will Never Die. And this is a really uh, quirky comedy that I really enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, tells the story of a one-time uh, prominent film industry uh, individual in the Philippines who back in the 70s and 80s had become very well known for making kind of like cheesy action adventure films in the same vein as like some of the old martial arts movies and the black exploitation movies. Um, but as she's gotten older, she's kind of fallen on hard times. She's run into debt and memory is fading and uh, just she's lost a son that she never really got over. So she really needs a spark to kind of turn the corner to get her life back on track. She ends up seeing a newspaper ad that's put out a call for movie scripts. And she remembers a screenplay that she had been working on that she set aside for a while and thought, hey, maybe if I start working on that again, um, you know, I can, uh, it's something that's got some production potential. So she starts doing that in earnest. She's very enthused. But then one day while she takes a break from work, she's out walking around her apartment building and lo and behold, a television set falls out of an upstairs window and hits her on the head and puts her in a coma. And everybody's concerned for her well-being 
you know, wondering if she's ever going to recover from it. But what happens inside her own head, in her own consciousness, uh, she, she ends up putting herself into her unfinished screenplay. <laughs> Not only to figure out how to end the movie, but also to figure out, you know, how to resolve some of these unresolved issues of her life. And you end up getting essentially a movie within a movie because they're depicting what's going on in her mind as well as playing out the main story. It's a very clever way of doing that. It's also very interesting in terms of showing how it's possible for each of us to rewrite the script of our own lives, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the movie that she's making in her head is very reminiscent of these old cheesy action adventure movies that she did in the 70s and 80s that are like hilarious in terms of featuring like the trite dialogue and the, you know, the corny scripts and even right down to some of the technical issues like out of sync vocal dubbing. Oh, I mean, it, it's yeah. really funny when you're watching this. Periodically, when the story is playing out and she's come to an impasse where she doesn't know how to proceed, she and some of the other characters will break character and go off and do things that are completely out of the out of sync with everything else that you're not expecting coming. That's hilarious. And it's just, it's so funny the way that this is, is played out. Um, and where can we watch this movie? It's it's available for streaming. Oh, is it? Okay. Yep. Yeah, it played in theaters very briefly back early in December, mm-hmm. uh, but it has since gone uh, gone to streaming from a number of different sources. And uh, this is a, a debut film from a, a director named uh, Martika Escobar. And if this is any indication of what she's able to do, I can't wait to see what else she comes up with because this film is so clever in terms of the way it's written, the way the story is told and the way you see the story within a story play out in the same picture. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think anybody who uh, really has a, a fancy for some of those films will get a kick out of it. And uh, I really I really enjoyed it. And uh, uh, let's make it six for six. I'm gonna give this one a four out of five as well. Here we go. Yeah. Okie dokie. So these are great. Now, in closing, I wanted to kind of make a quick couple quick mentions about a few other films that are out there right now. Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about the movies these days without talking about the Avatar sequel uh, being one of the you know biggest box office movies of the year and uh, had a lot of anticipation surrounding its release. Um, my feeling on this one is, well, you know, if you really want to see it, and you really are a big fan of great special effects, okay, then go see it in the theater because this is the kind of movie that really does need to be watched on a big screen to be fully appreciated. However, in terms of the story, this feels in many ways kind of like a retread of the original that came out in 2009. I really liked the first one a lot. Mm -hmm. This one came up kind of short for me in terms of being fresh, new, different, any of those things, because it just felt like it was revisiting old territory. It, I found it to be very disturbing at, at times, just, you know, the idea of killing the animals, killing the, you know, the creatures and in and, and the water. It was very hard to watch that for me. Um, I felt- Yeah, that and, that's, this... and that's interesting. You should mention that too, because, you know, one of the things that came, that came in the wake of the first film is it was something called the Pandora syndrome. It was written about on CNN and a number of other different websites. And it was talking about how a number of people saw the world in the original Avatar movie as being such a paradise 
that they had trouble wanting to, you know, go on living their regular daily lives in this reality, wishing that they could be there instead. Um, yet when you see some of the violence that's going on in this movie, well, that doesn't seem like very much of a paradise to me in terms of the warfare, in terms of the animal, you know, the animal cruelty. Um, it just kind of had me scratching my head saying, are you sure this is the paradise you want to live in? You know, well, you know the paradise that the, the avatars are in, yeah. But when you bring us into it, we always screw it up, right? Yeah. And, and we're, they weren't the ones killing. The other guys were the ones killing and the humans. And I just felt like that was really, really hard to watch. A yeah. lot of that. Um, I felt that this was for children more than adults, um, that they were trying to... Or young or for a younger audience the teenager you know maybe to get them interested in it i read that um he had uh he's got like another six scripts ready to go if you know based on yeah, this yeah there's three that are in production already <laughs> yeah so i think that that was you know they were disappointed with the first initial box office draw and you know i don't know if you got three and a half hours sit and watch a movie go see it yeah, that's the other part of it. It's kind of a hard watch is the fact that it is that long. Yeah. And um, two buckets for sure. <laughs> with, yeah, I, I, with, with no with no intermission. I mean, what happened to intermissions? I mean, yeah. this to be common in movies yeah. for, for films shorter than this. Yeah. And yeah. this is, you know, over three hours. And boy, by the time, you know, it gets to the end, you got to head for the bathroom. You no, sure do. Spears, I, I, definitely, I, I did not drink anything because I thought, oh, no, I won't be able to sit here for three hours if I do. Yeah. And you don't want to miss it. But no, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, you know what? It's beautiful. It's visually like the effects are beautiful. The the way that they had to learn to breathe underwater yes. and they did that, you know, um, I'm not sure why, because it's CGI, some of it, but they had to learn how to do that. And um, you know, was it the greatest movie? It was a good movie. I mean, you would enjoy watching it. Most people probably enjoy a lot of it. Kids would definitely enjoy it, um, parts of it. Um, you know, well, because it's, they, they it's definitely the a big, it's definitely a big screen title. And also, I, I, I also would recommend if you're going to see it, see it in 3D because yeah. Yeah. 3D is very well done. Something I haven't been able to say about a lot of movies that have been yeah. made. I saw it in 3D. But it's yeah. very well done here. Yeah. Um, but the uh, I can't imagine other... where they're going to go because it's it's get it's a little tired, you know, to keep coming after them. So where do you go from there? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I you know there were also some elements in the story that weren't fully resolved, and I know that that was probably you know to help set up what you're going to be having in the storylines in future films. But one of my pet peeves about a movie is, you know, if it can't stand alone as a finished self-contained item, uh, the filmmaker hasn't really done his job or her job as well as they could. Uh, and that's that's definitely the case with this one. But more than anything else, I think, is the fact that this is a movie that's been 13 years in the making. I really expected better after all that time. And it just left me kind of, eh, you know. So for the visuals and for the, um, you know, the artistic impressions of things. Yeah, I would give it three out of five. Mm -hmm. I think I'm being very generous in that also. Um, I would give it a three out of five. Yeah, I mean, and that's largely because of the, the technical special effects and so forth to take it to that level. If those weren't up to the same level as, as, as they were, 
Hey, yeah, the score would have gone down for sure because I just, like I say, came away from it saying, okay, well, three hours are gone, you know. <laughs> exactly. What's for dinner? <laughs> exactly. He's making a ton of money. I mean, yeah, you know, that's good. Good you know. for him. You know, I'd like to see the new one. I mean, I can, like, by the ending, I, we kind of know what's going to happen in the next one. Yep. But it'd be nice if somebody learned a lesson. The one thing that is kind of interesting, I saw where in the upcoming um, movies, apparently one of the characters that they're going to be introducing is going to be played by actress Michelle Yeoh, who was in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and she was also on Star Trek Discovery. I really like her. I do too. I'm I'm really hoping that, you know, maybe she'll be breathing some new life into the franchise that it could really use. Well, Kate Winslet was in this one, didn't she? I mean, you would have thought something happened there. Well, <laughs> okay. You can't have everything. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. thank you, Brent. Last, last oh, thing today. Okay. Yeah, I got one more. Um, I'm sorry, I don't is, have a picture. Um, this is a movie that's obviously very controversial with a lot of moviegoers and with a lot of critics. And that's the film Emancipation, which mm. is uh, the new film featuring Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should note that this was a movie that was made pre-slap. And it was in the can at the time that the Oscars took place. Uh, so it, you know, the uh, Apple TV, which was the producers of it, decided to still put it out. And when I was watching it, I was saying to myself, "It's it's really kind of unfortunate that Will Smith had a lapse in judgment, because he gives a very fine performance in this film." And the film itself is very well made, beautifully filmed, uh, gorgeous black and white cinematography. Uh, it goes on a little long. It, it could could have been cut probably by about 20 minutes or so, and it wouldn't have lost much. Um, it tells the story of a, uh, a slave who decides to avail himself of the benefits afforded by the issuance of the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 and escape his slave masters and seek freedom. Of course, even though he had been legally declared free by Abraham Lincoln, this was still in the Confederacy. He was, was in, mm-hmm. set in Louisiana cool. and um, you know, Confederates didn't feel to be bound by the issuances of the Union. So it's his story of escaping through the Louisiana swamp to try and make it to Baton Rouge to join up with uh, Lincoln's Union soldiers, where he could get some, you know, protection for uh, his his circumstances. Um, the manhunt sequence in the se- in the swamp goes on a little long. That's the part where I would definitely cut it down somewhat. Um, but the the part of the film where he ends up becoming a soldier and joining the Union forces, uh, that part I thought was very well handled. Um, this is. A hard watch, I won't deny that, because the level of brutality and uh, atrocities went on, um, the director doesn't really hold a whole lot back. I wouldn't say it gets to the point of being gratuitous, but it's kind of like straddling the edge of how much can you stand to watch before it starts to really become overpowering. Um, But my other reason for talking about this film is that... um, Regardless of what somebody does off off screen, to me, I don't believe it should be held against them. Oh, God, no. 
again, yeah. you know, how it shouldn't be held against them when it comes to their art. Um, and again, this was made, you know, before the Oscars last year. So, I mean, nobody knew that any of that was going to be coming down. Um, if that lapse in judgment had not occurred, th there's a very good chance that Will Smith would have gotten another Oscar nomination out of this because his performance is that strong. Mm -hmm. And also the fact it's really not fair to affect everybody else with guilt by association. Correct. And that's something that happens a lot. And I'm seeing it a lot in the reviews where uh, a lot of critics and using the, and users are using this as a platform to do a lot of Will Smith bashing. It's you know what it's you this know, woke it, this woke society. It's they're just you know I'm sorry if you're a woke society, get over it. Like really, yeah. get over it. Uh, yeah. I'm so tired of you guys. Really, um, I mean I certainly don't nice condone. What, I certainly don't <laughs> condone Will Smith's actions in no. any way, shape, or form. No, that I doesn't don't mean that I'm not going to see his movies because that's another aspect of his life that has no bearing on what he might have done on a worldwide stage. You know, how much does somebody have to apologize and how much, you know, the, the people involved were like, okay, it's not for us to judge that. You yeah. Know, we mean, weren't even involved in that. Yeah. I mean, I had said this a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that controversy that came down with um, the radio DJ Don Imus with the Rutgers women's basketball team. No, um, where really. he had said some rather unflattering things about the women. But he ended up apologizing. The women's basketball team ended up accepting the apology publicly and saying that he was forgiven. And yet there were still people calling for his head. And I said to some, a number of friends of mine at the time, I said, you know, it's not enough to apologize anymore. No. You know, and it's, I just. They want, they want blood. They yeah. Want blood. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. On. Yep. Yep. And I think you're, you're starting to see some of that. And you see, you see it with Brittany Griner right now too. And, and she's done nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, Brittany did yeah. nothing wrong, but because he didn't, you know, a, a worse criminal was let go because she was wanted to come home or her family wanted her home or people wanted her home. You know, they resent her for that. Yep. Come on, you know, yep. come Absolutely. on. Like she didn't choose who to let go. And yet people are, you know, bashing her for that. You know, it's, it's just, I just don't understand. I really don't understand people anymore. I'm kind of like, I don't think you people anymore. Like what's wrong. They, it's like, you got nothing better in your life, but to bash other people, you know, look at yourself first, everybody look at yourself first. Well, in the, in the case of this film, I mean, you know, if people are willing to get past the, uh, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room and still give this film a chance, um, I think it's worth watching. Yeah, you It'd know, be interesting and, to see what the society does with it. Yeah. Interesting to see. They may one, have a turn of heart. You know, they may have a change of heart and, and, and people may stand up. I mean, you know what? One deed in your entire life yeah. does not make your life. Exactly. Well, and there have been some critics who said that they think that this could be a turning point in his career, that it, it, it may be seen as an act of redemption. Um, that could help out, you know, help to smooth out his career going, going forward, uh, especially since it's dealing with uh, a subject as, um, you know, potentially explosive and yet revelatory as um, dealing with the effects of slavery, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that, you know, it's, it's worth giving a shot. Um, it's not the greatest film, you know, that's ever been made, but I still think it's very capable in many ways. Mm -hmm. I would I would give this one three out of five as okay. well. Awesome. You know, so 
and it's on Apple TV exclusively. So if you want to stream it, that's where you're going to need to go see it. Fantastic. Thank you, Brent. That was oh, good. My pleasure. Good. The end of 2022, everybody. Hard to believe. <laughs> what a year. <laughs> Thank God, you know, we got through COVID, we got through all of this. And uh, even though it's still around, you know, people are just going on with their lives. I think we're just moving forward. Except, what, except when it comes to going to the movies. Yeah, people yeah. are still being very reluctant about it, which. But you know what? I think they got, they, they forgot how expensive it is. Yeah, that's part of it. Although you know, it's 50 here, bucks here to go, the two of us. That's a lot of money. I mean, well, I get a senior discount now, but not a lot, you know? Yeah, actually, not just that, but also I'm, I'm seeing a number of theaters that are offering um, uh, discounts for like matinees. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you, they, they are. If you don't work, that, work out, that happens. Like we, go, we usually go at noon. Of... We like to go at noon on a Saturday because nobody's there. We yeah. like that. We've always done that. And, but like um, she said, that was at nine o'clock at night. Why would you put such a great movie at night? One, one showing only yeah. at nine o'clock at night when your movie going audience are older, probably. Yes. And want to come earlier. Like it's ridiculous. That's what I mean. I think that they, that they um, purposely, you know, they, they have ways of doing stuff like that. And yeah, I, I saw an article not too long ago that was talking about the future of movie houses. And basically it was saying that um, as far as a lot of theaters being able to attract viewers to the so-called art house films, um, that it may be quickly becoming a, a thing of the past because the people who like the art house films tend to be older. Mm -hmm. um, a number of them got very comfortable with streaming during COVID uh, and really haven't been willing to change their ways, even if they're not concerned about the health risk the way they may have been at one time. Well, my, my, you know what, my response to that is put more of them in, give them better times, yeah. give them more frequent times. Uh, you know, if I go to, to my movie theater, there's one good art house film, 10 Indian films, two box office hit films, maybe. And that's it. Like, look at your, you know, your audience, but still like, I don't want to have to go to an art house movie theater. To see a movie because they're usually older and just not they're just not the one around here they're just not as great i want to go see a great movie at my local theater and you know what if you played it up a little bit like you yeah. do all the other ones people would go and they would see it and they would see a damn good movie and that's the thing you're not seeing the best of the movies when you're when you're discounting those movies you know well, exactly you're, and i mean really uh, of all the movies we talked about today the only ones you're going to see in wide distribution to speak of are the Fablemans and Avatar. Exactly. You know, and I mean, um, that's kind of unfortunate because these other pictures are terrific. Yeah. And and one of the things that, you know, has interestingly enough, it's been causing like viewership for the Oscar ceremony to drop off has been the fact that viewers have said, I haven't heard of most of these movies. So why the hell should I want to watch the Oscars? Right. And the thing is, if these movies are not getting around or if they're not getting into theaters for very long for people to discover them. Right. Well, why would they tune in and watch? You know, it's only they're like even in a city the size of Toronto, which is like Chicago. Some of those movies um, played at one theater downtown. Not at the greatest time, you know, but one theater in a city the yeah. size of Toronto. Come yeah. on. 
you know what? Like that's ridiculous. And because we're, we, uh, we're so international, you can put it in in subtitles. We're, that's fine. You know, you well, go to and, the, and also being a city known for having one of the preeminent film festivals. Exactly. In the like world. those TIFF films should be playing you here. Know? Come on. I mean, the same thing Everywhere. here in Chicago. I mean, we've got a world-class film festival here too. And I mean, um, a lot of the same thing happens here where a lot of the films will play in maybe one theater. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's all there is to it. Yeah. Not right. Not right at all. And they, and they come and go in a week usually. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, so thank you, you know, thanks to <laughs> Apple TV and thanks to Prime, you know, at least you can, you can catch some of them, yes. um, even though you have to pay for them, you yes. can still rent them uh, at a fairly reasonable rate, but you want to go to the movie theater. I like to go to the movie theater. You know, I enjoy it. And, I do too. And, uh, you know. Although it's, it's amazing how many people still say to me, you're going to movie theaters in, really? this, in, this, in this climate? Well, in guess what? Climate. We're the only ones there, so. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've, been, I've, been going, I've been going to theaters ever since they reopened back in February of 2021. I mean. Yeah. And there, were, there have been times when Trevor and I have gone to the movies and we've been the only ones there. Exactly. You're sitting there with your big bag of popcorn. And, hey, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> okay, take off the shoes, sit back, relax. Not have exactly. to deal with people talking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Yeah, it's like a private show. All right. Thank you, Facebook people. My pleasure.